Welcome to the April 2nd sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 42, and the sermon is entitled, The Cries Among the Triumph, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. As I sang that last stanza, I just wanted to sit among people who are just like me. Every one of us gathered here today is just a sinner. Some have been plunged underneath the blood and some have not. But we're all sinners. And what a week for sinners to focus on the cross. As we take our eyes and point them to directly to what Jesus has done. It is nothing that any one person in this building or in this world can do to save themselves. It is all about Jesus. And so today, as we focus on this week, it's not about, uh, about Clifford Baptist Church. It's not about any of that. It's all on what Jesus has done for the world. And so it's with that I ask you the question today. Did you come expecting something from the Lord today? Amen. Amen is that answer. We are here because we want the Lord to minister to our hearts and our lives. Somebody asked me this morning, Jeffrey, you've got to be the happiest person in the world. That's far from the truth. But here's what I want you to know. I love to laugh. I love to enjoy life. And I laugh sometimes to keep from crying. I'm just going to be honest with you. But there are times in my life I want you to know that I wear my heart on my sleeve. And so there are times you will see me in my goofy laugh. And there are times you will see tears streaming down my face. But I want you to know as we approach a very holy week, it is one of celebration. It is one of triumph. It is one that we lift up Jesus and we see Jesus making his way to a cross. And as he is doing that today in Scripture, I want you to see four cries. Four different cries in the day of triumph as Jesus heads to a cross. As we look at Scripture today, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. And here is what I want to ask you as you're turning there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 19. When is the last time you cried? When, you had, when is the last time you had a good cry? Has it been a while for some of you? I made a note in my sermon as I was writing this down that as this sermon was being written in the life of our church, there had been three funerals with one being planned. Four in a matter of a week and a half that would ravage our church within the past month. And in this sermon, as I put pen to paper, the Massey family, the Wheeler family, the Gallier family were all going through some of the hardest days of their life. And since then, we've added the Lewis family and the Haney family and the Harold Campbell family, which will, uh, that funeral will happen at 2 o'clock today. And I sit there and write this sermon and say, Lord, where's, where's the triumph amongst the tears, amongst the cries? And here is where the triumph is, family. Jesus Christ is the only way that we have means of triumph over death. But as he marches to that cross, as his plan is, is portrayed for the whole world to see, it starts somewhere. And it starts on a passion-filled day headed to Jerusalem 
And it's with those thoughts we take and we open Luke chapter 19 and start with verse number 28. I'm going to read verses 28 through 38 to begin with. Hear the word of the Lord. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh unto Bethpage unto Bethany... At the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt, whereon yet never man set. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they... Uh, that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the colt. And they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives... The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The first cry, you may not see it in word here, but in the other Gospels you will. The first cry I want you to see on this triumphal entry is this. It's the cry of Hosanna. The cry of Hosanna. When I think of uh, Jesus preparing for Jerusalem, it is amazing to me that of all the preparations of Jesus to enter Jerusalem, that, uh, that what Jesus would need would be a donkey. Of all the things he would need, why would Jesus enter Jerusalem on the back of a donkey? A donkey, one of the most humble animals that we know, but here is the message, and I wanted to dwell here, but the Lord wouldn't let me. Here is the message, the Lord has need of it. As these disciples were sent out to find this donkey, there was one message that they were sent with, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. No questions asked, and when the question is asked, this is all you need to say, the Lord needs it. And today I wonder in our lives how many of us have something that the Lord needs. How many of us have something that we need to surrender to God? Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's your heart first. But there are other things that Jesus wants. Not because of any answer that you have. Not because of any reason that you need to know. But only this. The Lord has need of it. And he wants it. He wants to use it in his great plan. And so we see a donkey of all things in the world that to be used. A donkey. But why a donkey? Why would a donkey be needed? If you go back in your Old Testament, the second to last book of Zechariah, chapter number 9, verse number 9, listen to these words. Here's what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey, and upon the colt of the foal of a donkey. And so today, I want you to know, uh, probably a thousand years before this happened, Zechariah writes, your king is coming. 
Your king is coming. Why did Jesus have to enter on a donkey? Because God said that's the way he would enter. And in Zechariah, he uses these words, rejoice greatly and shout because Jesus is coming. The king is coming. And he also describes him as a just and a lowly man, a righteous and a humble man, and of all things, riding on a donkey. But in this verse, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, Jesus has one thing that the world needed. And that is this, salvation. Salvation. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9 says this, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just having salvation. And so today, I want you to see as Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. He's about a mile away in Bethany. They say, go get the donkey. And then they began to decorate this colt, this donkey. They began to throw their clothes on his back so Jesus would sit on. And they began to pave the way. They began to pave the road with their garments that that colt would just walk on the garments. But they had one message. And the cries that I want you to hear, three other gospels record the word Hosanna. Luke does not record that word, but he records the meaning of the word in a way that says this. In verse number 38, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace and glory he was bringing. But what does the word Hosanna mean? Here's what it means. Save now. As the crowds begin to cry and they begin to scream out and they begin to pave the way for Jesus. Here's what they were asking King Jesus to do. Save us now. Friends, maybe the message of Hosanna has died out in our churches. But that is the same message that the world needs to hear today. The world needs to hear these words, save now. Save now. Oh, save us, dear God. I want you to picture as the kids did this morning. Palms waving. Cries of Hosanna going out. Please save us. And maybe this morning, if you listen closely, you will hear the cries of a heart that needs Jesus. Maybe if you're in this sanctuary today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, maybe you hear these words from the Holy Spirit saying, I want to save you now. I want to save you. Maybe deep down in our heart, Jesus knows what is needed. And there's cries of Hosanna that are still heard today. On a Palm Sunday, on a Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago, the king had come and the cries of Hosanna ring out. But there were other cries. Look at verse number 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. The second point that I want to give you today is this. The second cry or the cry from the Pharisees. And that cry was a cry to just be quiet. There's so much going on among the crowd of people that followed Jesus on his way were those who greatly oppressed him. Throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, three years of that to be exact, he heard the cries from the Pharisees to just be quiet. Just go away. 
just, just wait. The long-awaited Messiah, Jesus had come, and the Pharisees had nothing better to say than Jesus, be quiet. I want you to know in Luke chapter number 11, a couple chapters back, Jesus actually sat down to eat with these Pharisees. In verse number 37, it says this, Luke eleven thirty-seven, And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. Isn't it amazing that Jesus actually sat down with the people that wanted him dead? That were crying for him to shut up and be quiet. He said, let's grab dinner together. And as he began to teach and as he began to, to work and minister to them, the first thing he did wrong is he didn't wash his hands and they found fault in that. But by the end of chapter number 11, verses 53 and 54, give us the heart of the Pharisees. They didn't want to pay for Jesus' dinner. They didn't want to learn more from him. Here was their heart. Verse number 53 says this, And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. It's amazing what the intentions of the heart are. Listen to me, church. Everybody that sits at the table doesn't believe the same thing that you do. And that's okay. That's okay. But everybody doesn't have the same attentions about what Jesus is and who Jesus is and should be in our lives. And so be careful there. Be careful because there are Pharisees today in our world that just want to silence Jesus. As I think about this, the Pharisees argued. They tested. They tried to trap Jesus. They plotted against him. They watched him. They sent spies to him. They questioned him eating with sinners and all the miracles that he performed. They'd done it for one reason and one reason alone. And that was this. They sought to destroy him. The last week of Jesus' earthly ministry has him coming on the back of a donkey. And what are the words, what are the cries from the Pharisees as the people are crowning him their king? In verse number 39, you see it. As those, as those scribes and Pharisees answer to him and say this, just be quiet. Master, rebuke thy disciples. Today, in our world, there are still cries to combat the word of God and the people of God. There are people that want to combat the work of the church. And there are those who want to quiet the praise and worship of Jesus Christ. And so I warn you by saying this. There are those that just say quiet down and keep it to yourself and hush about this Jesus. But it is up to us as Christians to take this much needed Jesus to our world. Now's the time. Now's the time, church. Now's the time that we can listen and hear the cries of just be quiet and just keep it to yourself and just mind your own business and I don't need none of that. Or now's the time to tell people how Jesus can change their life. And here's my heartfelt plea, not necessarily of this church, 
But Christians in our world are listening to the cries to be quiet. And they're heeding them. I'll just back away. I, I, I won't invite, I won't say, I won't push, I won't, I won't. What if Jesus would have just quieted the people that day? What if he would have just said, guys, knock it off, they don't like it. What would have happened? The first two cries you hear are cries of Hosanna and the cries to be quiet from the Pharisees. If they were to be quiet that day, there would have been another cry. And I want you to see that in verse number 40. And he answered and said unto them, I'll tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The third cry that I want you to see today is the cry from the rocks or the stones. Jesus answered these Pharisees to their, their question or their request. Just, just quiet down the people. He said, no, I can't do that because here's what's going to happen. If I quiet the people down, something has to praise me. Thank you. Church, listen. If we keep our mouths shut, something's going to praise Jesus. If the praise doesn't come from the church house and the people of God, it's got to come from somewhere. And I believe in deep down in my heart that if Jesus would have silenced these people that day, that the very rocks would have cried out. Today, I'm, I, I believe that God works everything for a reason. And I'm very thankful for the group that has decorated our sanctuary. Over the next, few, over the next week, you're going to see these colors of purple. They're going to go to black. As Jesus dies. And the next Sunday when you come here. These colors are going to be colors of white. Because there's victory in Jesus. There was a rock. There was a grave. There was a stone rolled across it. That could not silence Jesus. They could not contain him. And friends I want you to know. That if we as the people of God. Don't praise God. Something will. On this altar today. Clifford Baptist Church. If we don't praise God today, there are rocks on the altar. And God help those rocks cry out if we don't. Today, I pray that in the rest of my days, that I never have to hear what it sounds like for a rock to cry out the praise of God. But here's what I want to turn your attention to. Psalm 150. You need to circle this or go to this later. In your day. Here's what Psalm 150 says. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the, upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Clap. Praise the Lord. I'm not here to tell you how to praise God. Some of you lift hands. Some lift voices. Some lift instruments. But no matter how we do it, friends... We can never, never not praise who God is and what He has done in our life. 
Because if we do, something else will take our place. God intended his prized creation of the human being to give praise to his holy name. God forbid a rock take a human's place. And so the third cry I want to give you today is that of the rocks. As Jesus says, if you be quiet, if you don't praise me, the very rocks will cry out. The last cry I want you to see today. And I said that see, because you can't necessarily hear this cry. Maybe if you visualize yourself on that street, on that Palm Sunday years ago, you could have heard the cries of Hosanna. And you may have heard the cries of the Pharisees saying, be quiet. And you may have seen the rocks, as Jesus said, these rocks are going to cry out. But the next cry would have to be seen. Look at verses 41 and 42. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou at least in this, uh, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. The fourth cry I want you to see on this very important Palm Sunday is the cry of a Savior's heart. The cry from Jesus. We are giving th given three times in Scripture where Jesus cries. He cries at the death of Lazarus, a dear friend, in John chapter 11, verse number 35. He cries here over Jerusalem. And he cries in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, which says he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Can you imagine Jesus offering prayers for people? And while Jesus prayed, he cried. John 1.11 sums up the tears of Jesus here in this instance for us. John chapter 1 verse 11 says this. He came unto his own and his own received him not. As a people, the Jewish people, and a city that he loved dearly, they knew and they, they were told a Savior was coming. And as Jesus marched into this city, he found a little time where he could get off by himself. And as he overlooked what awaited him, tears began to flow down his face. I don't know that we could have seen it or, or people could have seen it or they could have heard the sobbing. But he wept. There was emotion there. And he wept because in just a few days, he would lay his life down for a people that did not love him. Forty years later, over a million people in this city would lose their life at the hand of a Roman invasion. They were more concerned about Roman rule than their Savior's rule. His tears. His tears were not for a temple that would be destroyed. His tears were not for a city that would be destroyed. His tears that streamed down his face were the, for the lost people who would not accept him as Savior as who he was. 
at the gates of those cities as they were thrown open for people to celebrate, the hearts of the people were not ready. And so today, in Scripture, do you see a Savior that weeps for His people? I'm thankful that today that that, that, that love was broadened from the Jewish to the Gentile people. And that love is shared for you and me today. This morning, on, as we celebrate Jesus coming to a city, here's the cry. I hope you hear the loudest. I hope you hear the cry of a Savior's love for that one person that needs Him. That one lost person. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 puts into words what that cry means. And here's what it says. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Today, a Savior's love over 2,000 years has not changed. And as you look at your life and as you look at your relationship, there's a lot, there's a lot on my personal end that needs to happen. But God forbid, God forbid that as we look at the cries and we think about them, God forbid we forget the cries of Hosanna, of save now. Jesus, save now. Maybe today that's somebody's cry. Maybe we should forget the cries of silence. There is somebody always trying to shut Jesus up. Don't you dare forget that. Don't forget the cry from the stones. But this morning in a time of devotion, a time of celebration, a time of remembrance, a time of Hosanna, hear the cry of a Savior for the heart of His people. He wants every heart, every person in the world to worship Him. Today, this morning, if you feel the Holy Spirit's presence, here's, here's the invitation. In a moment of invitation, before we come to celebrate what the Lord has done at His table, I've got to give this invitation. I started out with these words. Every person in this room is a sinner. Every single one of us. And the Bible is clear that the penalty for sin is death. And so today we gather on a very holy day and on a very holy week to celebrate the price and the life that was given, the perfect sacrifice as Jesus laid it down for the sin of the world. There's nothing you can do to save yourself but accept what Jesus Christ has already done. His payment through death and resurrection gives you life and gives you hope in a risen Savior. Today, before you can celebrate a risen Savior, you've got to understand the price and the penalty that was paid for your sin. Those cries of Hosanna, save now. And in a few short days, what will they turn into, church? Crucify. Crucify. 
today in this moment of invitation. I don't, I don't know what this means for you. But this is a very holy time in our faith. A very holy time we remember the great price of Jesus. Can we just take a few moments and bow before him? Can we take just a few moments and maybe praise him? Maybe you said, Jeffrey, I hadn't praised the Lord in a while. Take a minute where you are or maybe even at an altar to just praise the Lord for what he's done. The cry today, as Jesus looks over our country, our nation, our world, I believe the tears are still there. Because a world does not want Jesus. Friends, today it starts in the church house. The celebration starts here to take the message to a world that so desperately needs it. Will we still cry, Hosanna, save now. Today, if that's your heart's need and your heart's cry, I pray at the first key that you will come down and you will just ask the Lord to come into your life, to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sin, to change you and make you new, and to give you a life that will demonstrate His love to a world that needs it. Today, my prayer is for the one that hears the cry of salvation. Let's go to God in prayer. God, in the middle of worship, we come before you. We come before you on a very holy day where you set aside all of your humanity to take on the role of Savior. And as you looked at a people in a city, the Bible says you wept because they did not believe. God, I don't know what you see as you look over this body of believers at Clifford Baptist Church. But I'm sure there may be one heart in this sanctuary that you're weeping over right now. Lord, they feel your Holy Spirit's tug. God, I pray that they will not, they will not say wait. They will not say I'll do it later. God, as you move in the, the aisles and the hearts of your people, thank you for what you have done. There's one person that needs to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. God, I pray this is the time to do it. Lord, today, for Christians, some of our cries of salvation have turned silent and even turned away from speaking the good news and proclaiming Jesus saves. Save now. God, may you open our mouth. May you give us praise every day in all areas of our life. Lord, today, maybe Christians just want to come and bow down beside rocks so the rocks don't have to cry out. Just to say thank you, God, for your great plan and your salvation upon my life. Lord, today, we give you this moment of invitation. Lord, we pray that you get our hearts right before we approach your table and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Thank you for what you have done. It's in the strong name of Christ we pray. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.